Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. He's just so good and so worthy of our affection and our adoration today. So good to see you today. We're going to be heading to the first chapter in Luke's gospel this morning and excited about what we're going to be seeing today, what we're going to be looking at this morning. We're just going to continue to talk about what it means to have a fresh start, to to have a new beginning. We've been saying for the last several weeks in regards to the transition that's been taking uh, taking place in our lives and taking place in our ministry that this is a new beginning for who? A new beginning for uh, us and a fresh start for someone else. And maybe today the person sitting right next to you is in need absolutely of a fresh start. Uh, we've said since the beginning of this that our God is really into new beginnings and fresh starts. Uh, in fact, as you look all throughout Scripture, uh, He's about the business of making things new. Any of you like, guys like new stuff? You like new things? The smell of something new? The look of something new? You know, new has an appeal to us. Does it not? And I've had people to ask me, say, Brother Allen, why does new have such an appeal? And many times, I don't think it's necessarily just because it's fancy or it's new for the sake of being new. But so many times, new speaks of life. New speaks of life. It speaks of something that has life. And something that has life is something that is changing. It is evolving. It's on the move. It is not stagnant. It is not dead. Whenever something seems or appears to be new, it actually speaks life. And that's what I think is the the drawing thing, if you will, of that which is new. So if you're in Christ today, the scripture says that what kind of creation are you? You are, in fact, a new creation. Um, The apocalyptic Jesus in the book of Revelation, uh, he said, I am making all things what? I am making all things new. New creations, new things. God is about new beginnings And God is about fresh starts. How many of you today can recall a time in your life where it seemed like God jump-started your life? That you look back and you think, man, there was a time that maybe I was at a really low point. I was in a season or I was at a place and, and my life just seemed dead. It seemed to be hopeless. It seemed to be lifeless. And then all of a sudden, some things began to come about uh, maybe your walk with God, your encounter with God. God, God breathed fresh life into your existence. And, and it was like God was giving to you a fresh start. Anyone here today can say there was a time in my life. I remember I needed a fresh start and God breathed into my life something new. And I got the jump start that I needed in my life. Anyone, anyone today can say That has been me. Here's what I want to tell you today. The very God who did that then 
is the same God who can do it today. The very God who did that for you then is the same God who can do that today. We are in a season where we are preparing for something new. Now, I want you to stop for just a second, and I want you to think about everything you know about Jesus. Everything you know about Jesus. What do you know about it? What have you learned about Jesus throughout the course of your life? You sit there and you think, okay, well, here's what I know about Jesus. I, 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 yeah, I know Jesus was, was born in Bethlehem. I know that Jesus on this earth loved all kinds of people. Amen? Loved all kinds of people. I know that Jesus, I mean, he reached out to people that other people would cast to the side or forget about. He was no respecter of persons. I know that that was Jesus. I know that Jesus performed miracles. I know that there was healings that he performed. I know that Jesus touched and changed lives. I know that Jesus went to a cross and he died on that cross for me. I remember a time in my life where Jesus became very personal to me. I accepted him as the savior of my life. Jesus was, was at that time, he was just so alive to me because I, I know that he died on that cross for me. I know that Jesus was raised from the dead for me, for all of us. I, I know that Jesus was raised from the dead. I know, I know that in Jesus there is life and there is complete forgiveness of all of my sin. Past, present, future, Jesus has forgiven us of all things. I know this about Jesus. I, I know, I know, I know that because He lives, I can do what? Because He lives, I can face today. I can face today. Because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Some of us are just trying to get through the day. Can I get an amen? You see, we sell him short. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face today. And because he lives, I can face my past. He's not just the God of today. He's the God of tomorrow. He is the God of the past. Amen? I know, I know, I know. And by the way, we did kick it up a little bit in here to warm some folks up. So guys in the back, y'all can watch that. If it gets a little too warm for you, just a touch of a button and we'll cool it off for you. Or we'll open all the doors. Or you can sit outside in the parking lot and listen to it by the speakers outside. I know that there is a hope that one day he will come again. And everything that is stinking about my life in this earth is going to come to pass. I know that the, the crap and the stuff that I have to deal with today, that other people have to deal with too, one day they're not going to have to deal with it because Jesus is going to come back. I have that hope. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take everything, and there's so much more that could have been said. I want you to take everything 
that you know about Jesus. And hopefully I've encapsulated several things. Take everything that you know about Jesus. And now I want you to go back in time. With everything you know about Jesus, I want you to go back in time and try to put yourself in a place where Jesus hadn't come yet. Go back to the first century. Go back to previous centuries. Go back in time to a place where the advent of Christ had not occurred. And not everyone knew what you know now, or if you could go back in time to a place where you did not know what you know now, go back to that time in history and then put yourself in a position to anticipate His coming for the first time. Take everything you know about Jesus, go back in time to a place in time where none of that had happened yet. And think about how excited you would be for Him to come the first time. When you do that, you've captured the Spirit and the heart of this season. Because you see, the Advent season, the Advent, which means appearing, the Advent season is a time for believers to put themselves in a place where they expect and anticipate the coming of Jesus and His birth. How would you prepare your heart for Jesus to come? What would you do in regards to your family to anticipate and prepare for the celebration? What might you do in terms of new traditions or things in your life that you would do to, 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 to anticipate and to prepare. Did you know that historically, in the Advent season, which begins the fourth Sunday prior to Christmas Day, believers historically would spend days praying, fasting, Setting their hearts in a position and in a place to, to like receive Him all over again. They would sing Advent songs. Not like the Christmas carols that we sing. And there's a bit of a tension here because the bit of the tension is we do live on this side of Him coming, right? Yeah. Hallelujah, thine the glory, Jesus came. Amen? There's a bit of a tension for us, but they would sing songs like, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Come thou long expected Jesus. And their Advent season would be a build up of anticipating and preparing for His birth. You know, the other day I was thinking about the Christmas season and, and I was thinking about some songs that we actually sing. And there's one song that I think is really neat, but it, it wears me out. It just wears me out because I get tired of singing it. It's called The Twelve Days of Christmas. I never can remember what you get to when you get to like 
9, 10, or 11 because you've sang all the others so many times, it's easy to remember them, right? And by the time you get to the end of the song, I mean, it's been like 10 minutes you've been singing it, and you're finally going, whew, I'm exhausted. I mean, by the time you get to 11 drummers drumming, I've said three French hens so many times, I'm tired of three French hens by the time I ever get to 11 drummers drumming, right? Maybe you're not like me. Maybe you just enjoy that and you you all just want to sing it today on the first day of Christmas my true love gave to me. Come on now. I promise I'm not trying to torture you this morning. A partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas my true love gave to me. On the third day of Christmas my true love gave to me. By the way, did you know that historically it used to say, my mother gave to me. There are some versions of that that says, my mother gave to me. Actually, the song, the song, 12 Days of Christmas, originated in England uh, in the 18th century. It started out as a rhyme, as more of a rhyme. Then in the early 20th century, in the 1900s, it, it, it became a song that we actually sing today. Uh, what do we get to? Uh, four calling birds, five, six geese. Uh. Oh, by the way, gold rings, many believe to be the rings around the neck of a pheasant because there's a bird theme in the 12 days of Christmas. How many of y'all would prefer the actual five golden rings as opposed to a pheasant? Absolutely. Six geese a laying, seven what? Eight maids, uh, nine ladies, ten lords, eleven what? So they promoted smoking in the twelve days of Christmas. I mean, pipers, they pipe, right? So I can see some, uh, I can see eleven guys smoking their pipes. And then, and then, that's really not what that means, but, and then the final one is twelve what? Twelve, twelve drummers drumming. And then you go back and you remember all that stuff, right? The 12 days of Christmas. So tell me, what are the 12 days of Christmas? When do the 12 days of Christmas, when do they begin? So somebody would say, are y'all still with me? Somebody would say, well, December the 25th, and you count it backwards. So that would be like the 12th or the 13th. Is that how this thing works? So on the 12 days of Christmas around... The 13th or 12th, you start getting presents, which the song is a celebration of my mother giving to me or my true love giving to me these presents leading up to Christmas. And so is that how you calculate the 12 days of Christmas? How many of y'all would say, yes, that's how you calculate it? How many of you say, well, no, that is not how you calculate it? How many of you say, I don't have a clue, and I really don't care. Amen. The 12 days of Christmas, historically, observed by Christians, actually begins on December the 25th. And it concludes on January the 6th. Early Christian tradition had the Magi appearing or coming to Christ 12 days after his birth. Now we know, biblically speaking, 
that it's most likely that the Magi did not come to Jesus until he was about two years of age. But there was early Christmas tradition that had the Magi coming 12 days after his birth. So the first day of Christmas actually begins on Christmas Day and it concludes on January the 6th. So historically speaking, what Christians would do is Christians would observe the Advent season, prepare their hearts and prepare their lives, build it up to December the 25th, but then their celebration and all their singing and their gift giving actually began on December the 25th. Now, how many of y'all today, once December the 25th is over, you're thinking, whew, Christmas is done. And I am ready to put all the presents up and I, the trees. I, I'm ready to do all of that stuff. I want the tree up. I want it gone. I don't want to see another thing about Christmas by the time New Year's rolls around. Anybody here of that frame of mind? A lot of us are. Why have we done that? Could it be that what's happened is our culture has pushed the celebration of Christmas earlier and earlier and earlier and businesses are trying to make money off the Christmas dollar earlier and earlier and earlier. I mean, at this point in time around Halloween, you see Christmas stuff. And then by the time you actually get to Christmas, you've been celebrated and gone to your Christmas parties. And all of that. But historically speaking, that's not the way Christians have observed the Advent season and Christmas. Advent would, Advent season, they'd bring out wreaths with four candles. The colors were rarely green and red. The color would be purple of royalty and majesty. Now again, we live on this side of the cross and Jesus has already came. And we celebrate that. And I'm not saying there's a right or a wrong in terms of how you celebrate the birth of Jesus. I'm just letting you know, historically speaking, especially with the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, that's why and how that particular song makes sense. But of all things, it's a fresh start. It is a new beginning. When you come to the Christmas story that we find in Luke's Gospel, you find the characters begin to emerge. I want to take you to Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. You're familiar with the story. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was who? The virgin's name was who? Her name was Mary. Later on in this particular section of Scripture, we're going to see that the aspect of her being a virgin plays into the fact that around verse chapter, verse 35 rather, 
that the Scripture is going to tell her or that the angel is going to tell her that the Holy Spirit will come up on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Question. Could God have come to Mary, even if she had had premarital sex, could He have come to her and caused a supernatural birth to happen in her life? Well, sure He could. God can do anything. But to remove from our doubts and minds any question about this supernatural conception, it seems that our biblical writers tell us that Mary was in fact a virgin. And it adds to the awe and the wonder of Christmas. It adds to the awe and the wonder of the story. It stands to the awe, the awe and wonder of Jesus coming to us being the holy offspring and the holy child that He is, that there's been no other person that's come into contact with her other than who? No one has come into contact with her sexually other than the Holy Spirit coming upon her and divinely placing inside of her womb. Not that there was a sexual relationship there, but He divinely placed inside of her the seed and the Son of God. So it says back in verse 28, Gabriel coming in, he said to her, Hail, highly favored one. Hail, favored one. Hail, favored one. The Lord is with you. And I just got to believe that for people like Mary here, and everything that you know about Mary is pretty much ahead of her because the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about her what? The Bible does not tell us a whole lot about her past. There's not very many things you know about her past. At all. Where did she go to school? Did she go to school? What were the names of her parents? You can look at her lineage and find out a lot of information there. What did she like to do? What were her hobbies? What were her interests? Had Joseph ever tried to kiss her before? Notice that with Mary, what you know about her is from this point forward. And what you know at this point in time is that God considers her to be a highly favored one. And He comes to her in a very, very special way. And He tells her, listen to me, He tells her, to ease her fears about the future. And to calm her anxiety. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Right now I want you to look at your neighbor. And whisper to them. Your past does not matter. Because today, the Lord is with you. Look at your neighbor right now. Nudge your neighbor and just whisper. The Lord is with you. And if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, today you are a highly favored one. If you are in Christ, 
You are a highly favored one. The Lord is with you. And she was still troubled, according to verse 29. She was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Look at your neighbor right now. Nudge your neighbor and say, Do not be afraid. Yes, I'm cooking lunch today, but do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. The Lord has your future in mind. You are highly favored if you are in Christ. Do not be afraid. Because He lives, you can face tomorrow. You can face today. And guess what? At this moment in time, Mary's past did not matter. But she kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. Angel says, do not be afraid for you have, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him what? You shall name him what? You shall name him. Y'all say that with me. You shall name him Jesus. The name here for Jesus is literally not Jesus. It is actually Yeshua. His name is Yeshua, and the J is silent. The name Jesus is actually transliterated from the Greek, Jesus. But the name literally means Yeshua. If you're talking to a Messianic Jew today, and when they talk about Jesus, they don't say Jesus. They talk about Yeshua. Yeshua. Oh, you're talking about Yeshua. Whose name is also Joseph. Which is translated as meaning this. The Lord is salvation. The Lord is salvation. The Lord or Yahweh saves. The name Jesus, Yeshua, means that He saves. That's His name. Oh, you're talking about the saving one. You're talking about the one whose name and whose life I can find salvation in. I need hope today. I need a fresh start today. I am very troubled by my past today. I'm very concerned about my future. I do not know how I'm going to get through. Can somebody point me to the right direction? Can somebody give me any answers to the problems I'm having in my life today? I am in need of being saved. I need to be rescued. Can anyone tell me where I can find hope and life? Yeshua. Yeshua. Your answer is found in Yeshua. Yahweh saves. The Lord is salvation. And this is why the gospel is so powerful. And this is why Christmas and the Advent season is so powerful. 
We're not celebrating, listen to me, we're not celebrating the birth of a great religious leader or humanitarian. We actually are celebrating Emmanuel. We're celebrating the very one who brings to us God Himself. It is the celebration of God coming to us to bring salvation to us. I'm not just celebrating a baby born in a manger. We are actually celebrating God born in a manger to us. God came to us. The wonder of Christmas is that God comes to us and He puts on humanity. You know, earlier this year, the royal family seemed to be really intent on letting people know that they were just like one of us. I believe it was. Who was it that caught her high heel in the great in the public street? It was, I believe, the Duchess of Cambridge. Kate Middleton got her high heel hung in a great in a city street. People say, oh, she's just like some of us. I've never caught my high heel in a city great, but, you know, maybe you have. And then people begin to notice, notice one day that Queen Elizabeth was riding in public transportation. In fact, she was catching a train. And, and, and the reporters who saw this happening said that all the onlookers were really surprised and kind of stood in awe because here is Queen Elizabeth kind of moseying by everyone to catch a train and to ride a train just like all the commoners. Now, could she have jumped in a helicopter? Could she, can she afford a helicopter to take her home? Well, of course she can. But that's not the point. The point was that she wanted to demonstrate that she's just like all of us and there she was getting on public transportation, riding a train. And it won the hearts of all the people that she serves because they realized that in all of her greatness, she is common and she's ordinary, just like all of us. She is a sovereign, but she's also a passenger on a train. And guess what? What makes Christmas so amazing is that we're celebrating the fact that God, a sovereign, is also a passenger on a train. God is a sovereign. But when He comes to us in Christ, He's a passenger on a train. He's in the locker room. And in the lunchroom. And in the break room. And he's at Walmart. And he's at Dollar General Store when you try to avoid Walmart. And he shows up in places like bars. And strip joints. He's in the alleyways. He's in the pit. So ride the train. You might find yourself sitting next to Jesus. He's a sovereign. 
but he's a passenger at the same time. He's ordinary and he is extraordinary all at the exact same time. The angel goes on to say, Behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son. His name shall be Jesus. He will be, verse 32, He will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give Him the throne of His father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and His kingdom, His kingdom, His kingdom. Which, by the way, is truly a kingdom that is open to all who will repent and come to Him. His kingdom has no doors because Jesus is the door. His kingdom is open to all who will turn from their ways and come to Him. His kingdom will have no end, the angel says to Mary. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, and there you have it. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even he says, and behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And by the way, who's that? She conceives a son in her old age. He would be the forerunner of the Christ. And what is his name? John the Baptizer. John the Baptist. Because he baptized and had a baptism of repentance for people to turn. Those who realized that the law cannot save. And that they need Jesus. She's conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. And we know, we know, we know. That when Mary goes to see her cousin Elizabeth. And there Elizabeth has John the Baptist, the baptizer, in her womb. We know that the scripture tells us that when Mary, who has Yeshua in her womb, comes to Elizabeth, who has John the baptizer in her womb, that the baby did what in Elizabeth's womb? The baby did what? What did the baby do? The baby leapt. The baby leapt. Why did it leap? Why did he leap, rather? Why did he leap? He leapt. In the womb because he was in the presence of God. God was in the womb of Elizabeth. Yeshua. Salvation has come. And it excited and it enticed within Elizabeth. John. And John leaps in the womb. So at the name of Jesus we don't just kneel. We leap. Why do we leap? We leap because he makes all things new. Why can we be excited about Jesus today? Because he makes all things things new and you're sitting here going today I don't know about this oh if you only knew what I've been through if you only knew my past if you knew what I'm dealing with today if you knew if you only knew if you only knew you know it took everything within me to come to this place today in fact I didn't walk through the doors into here I crawled through the doors into here and by God's grace, these doors will always be open to the crawlers who can only get here by crawling and will love them and welcome them in the name of Yeshua. Amen. 
You have no clue what it took for me to get up this morning and to walk into this place. And I really wanted to know, will I meet God there? Will I find genuine, authentic, real people who are honest about their lives and what they're going through? Or are they just playing games and like to decorate and be fancy? Are they real? And if there's any doubt. If there is any doubt. Of what can happen. In meeting the divine one. Here's what the angel says. In verse 37. For nothing. Will be impossible. With God. For nothing. Will be impossible. With God. For nothing. Say that with me. For nothing. Will be impossible. With God. For nothing. For nothing. For nothing. Will be impossible. With God. For no thing. No thing will be what? Impossible with God. If you're having any doubt today about what your future can look like and the fresh start that you need in your life, there is one, there is, I'm telling you, there's one principle take home with you today. Please write it down, file it in your heart, put it into your mind. Whatever, wherever you might be today, there is one principle. When it comes to fresh starts with God, there's one principle you cannot ever forget. And here it is. And it's this way with Mary. And it's this way with you. And it's this way with the person down the street. It's this way with me. And here it is. When it comes to your future and what God has for you, number one, your past does not matter. Your past does not matter. It didn't matter here. And it doesn't matter today. Why? Because with God, all things are possible. And with that, the child looks at the Christmas tree. And you see the reflection of light in her eyes. And she sits there in front of the tree or the presence for the very first time. And the lights gleam and they twinkle. Because everything is ahead. And this is like nothing she's ever seen before. And there's wonder. And there's awe. And there's a miracle. And there's fantasia. And there's frozen. And I just made that up. But it's all there. It's all there. God help us. To never, ever stop 
being that child. Because your past does not matter. And with God, all things are possible. Today I want to invite you just to quietly stand with us this morning. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.